Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run Podcast. We are so privileged to be in this position to be joined by amazing guests on our school run. And although my daughter Liv and I don't have an hour and a half school run anymore, this podcast is still going to be called The School Run because we've all had one. We all do one um, with our own children at some point or maybe the next door neighbours or our nieces or nephews. And so we can relate. And we started this podcast in February 2023 and we've had so many opportunities and the most amazing conversations. It's a real privilege. Liv, today we're joined by a guest. We're in person, which you love more than anything, Mm, don't you? I do love in person. I feel like I I get the feel of the conversation better. Like better eye contact, everything like that, instead of doing it online. Plus, when I want to ask a question, I feel like I have to wait because there might be a glitch and I'm like, when do I ask the question? I know what you mean. So it's important to us that we um, build that rapport and bring people's stories out. So the idea is is that we chat about someone's um, world of work, their careers, maybe um, titles and descriptions and career paths that you've never heard of. Um, and also some wisdom along the way as well. So today we are really privileged to be joined by James Perryman. Now I met James very, very recently at the Professional Speakers Association. I was taken along there by my very, very good friend, Rachel Haslam, who was on our podcast, uh, episode six, Director of Awesomeness, I think, if you want to go back and listen to that. Rachel um, took me along there and I met James who was the the lead of that organisation. I'll let him describe his role as we get to that point. James is a speaker, trainer and coach. He works with individuals and businesses to help them discover their potential and increase their performance. We're going to have a great chat, I think. So whilst James speaks at events, he also provides coaching to increase people's resilience, productivity, self-esteem, and runs lots of training courses focusing on personal and business development, leadership, and high performance. This is going to be a great chat, I feel, and we're really lucky to have you here. Thanks for joining us, James. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) I bet you used to being introduced... In, in a way, is it, is it and it's normal? Always, you always listen intently thinking, who is this person? Like, <laughs> they sound like such a fraud. Or they sound quite amazing. <laughs> and it's always like, oh no, I might have written that. <laughs> how, I mean, how did you, what is trainer, coach, speaker, what does your day-to-day work look like if you were describing it to live? <clears throat> it's interesting because I think as I've gone through my journey of being self-employed, come across a lot of people who say they are trainers, coaches, speakers, consultants, and it becomes, it almost becomes a bit generic. And they think, okay, so I've met quite a few people like that. So what is it you do? Um, Day to day, probably the majority of my work is training. So it's delivering training courses that might be a day long, they might be half a day, primarily face to face, sometimes online. Sometimes they're longer, sometimes they're three days or two days and they're more intense, but they are to help more often than not, middle managers to gain some skills, some frameworks, and more importantly, some confidence to be the manager they want to be. Not to be a textbook manager, not to 
not to worry about what's right, what's wrong, what do I have to do to, to fit in in the company, but to, to know the company's values, to know how to structure great conversations and have courage. Ultimately, then I start to introduce sessions generally, no matter what they are, to say, at the end of the day, or two days or three days, I want you to walk out with some stuff, some knowledge, to know that you've been winging it perfectly for the last however many years, or you're absolutely ready to become a manager. But I want you to have the courage to just start a conversation, no matter what it is. I have a question already. <laughs> there we go. Here you go. So She's got go. questions, right. you're in for it today. Right, then. some of the episodes, I have like a serious amount of questions. I'm going to take the opportunity and use it to my advantage, right? If, I, if you were coaching me, now, as like a manager, right? I'm a people pleaser. Like, I please it. What, what what advice would you give to me? Because I just, whatever someone says, I'll just do it. Because like, I just want to make them happy. My advice to you would be, don't change. Don't right. stop being you. Yeah. But look after you. Because okay. people who are people pleasers, and I, I, I am, and certainly remember, if I think about my corporate career, I was a yes person because I wanted yeah. to do exactly that. But also then found I was working at a lot of hours. I, I reached, I reached like it was a, a you know, an, a, an amazing destination. It wasn't, but I reached burnout in mm. my mid to late twenties. So I had that warning sign, you know, head to toe psoriasis saying you can't carry on doing what you're doing. And I know it's because I was a people pleaser. I was saying yes, yeah. very blindly saying yes to stuff that I wasn't even sure if it was stuff I wanted to do, I should be doing. And so suddenly it become too much and it, there's a risk that you actually get distracted from the things you're really meant to be doing or want to be doing and they're going to be brilliant at doing and that will give you longevity in your career. That's kind of, well, that's very good of Because <laughs> I feel like, I just feel, when I say no to someone, I feel guilty. Like I feel bad for saying no. So it's how you do it. And this, this is something we talk about often in, in coaching, as you say, or in courses, to help people be resilient because people can be organised with loads of different tools, digital tools, pen, paper, apps, etc. And then it's a case of I'm organised and then my boss or a colleague comes and says, oh, could you just do this for me? And they want to say yes. And and when I say to people, so tell me how you say no, and they look a bit sheepish and look around and look down and look at each other, but we don't really say no. I say, but, but, but you need to say no. And it's all about being assertive. Saying no, this is why I'm saying no, and here's some options for you. So you're actually being quite helpful. And if it comes then to whoever it is that they're talking with and they say, this actually is really important, this needs to be done today, it needs to be done by you, then you just say, okay, off the list, what, what can drop off the list to tomorrow? Yeah. Because I've only got so much time, I might have personal stuff going on at home that I want to get back for, and I'm only human. So it's it's about being assertive. I need to be more like <laughs> So therefore, you perhaps would work with a coach or you would have some training on being more assertive. Yeah, it's that. And all this yeah. is not the same example as business, right? <laughs> but Christmas, when I was young, well, not younger, but like when I was like 12, 13, <clears throat> people would buy me clothes and I would, I would say, oh, yeah, I like them when I actually hated them, <laughs> right? Because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, is it, is, is it assertive to say that? Did it come with a receipt? Maybe more passive aggressive, that's different. But I know what you mean. I always reverse it a little bit and say and think, well, if it was if if I was the person buying the present, I want the person to really love the present. Mm -hmm. And therefore I would I send it with the gift receipt because I want them to get something that they would prefer and use because otherwise it's been a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it, I think it, if you know someone well, they you might send it, and there might be the gift receipt or a note that just says, "Saw this and thought of you," but I totally get it. if it's not quite right. Please just say. So kind of give permission for them to say, "I really appreciate it." Mm. However, I actually seen something that I think I'd love even more. So, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> and if and if you say to someone, you know, I'm, I, thank you so much for your gift unfortunately it's not quite right for me would it be okay with you if i got something that i preferred for me being the person having given that i'd love that yeah and so would you if you'd bought someone else something so you've kind of got to roll reverse a little bit mm. yeah i go i do what you were saying i don't know if i'm allowed to say this on here but no it's just but when john it's like when you write emails to people right? <laughs> no no <laughs> not in a bad way but when you what you always taught me like you have to create, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, don't you? But I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on here. Okay, so what they would call a, a shit sandwich. And Interesting. How, and okay. how talk about mum yeah. teach me how to write it where you put something good and then the problem and then something good. But I have to turn that upside down now because I've done a two day leadership course recently. And you're probably going to teach me this, aren't you, James? On this <laughs> I'm going to nodding thinking. Yeah, I uh, know what's yes. coming. <laughs> Actually... Um, delivering feedback as a shit sandwich is exactly that. It's a shit sandwich and we shouldn't be doing it. And I'm very sorry for the swearing. I'm hoping you're not listening to this podcast in the car with young young people. Um, It's a leadership word. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a very 80s style of leadership. It is. is. Um, And actually you should give feedback in isolation. You should. So feedback should be given about one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. But feedback, and it should be done respectfully, professionally, but it should be balanced. So when you give feedback, there needs to be the critical feedback, or people call it bad feedback, whatever you want to call it, as well as some praise that is 100% relevant to the conversation. But if I tried to give you some feedback and then some random praise that's just not related, you'd think, James, why are you telling me? I know that. I know I did good there in that thing ages ago. So it might be that you're, if you're giving feedback on someone's performance, where their performance isn't what it should be, then you might give some balance and some uh, praise around where they have performed well at that task. Mm-hmm. If it's around behaviour, then it might be that you, you give them feedback on their behaviour that isn't quite right, it's not in line with the company's values or, or our values as a community, but you might praise their intent. Mm. So an example I give in training is, is let's say that you're in a, a, a meeting with a customer, the conversation's getting very heated, customer's making demands that you think are unrealistic, you're defending your company, but you also want to do something positive for the customer and you're getting quite agitated, but you, you could have positive intent around the fact that you're trying to do the right thing by the company, by the customer. It just didn't come out right. So I could praise the intent whilst giving feedback around the behavior that just wasn't quite right. So it needs to be balanced. It's got to have a bit of both. The sandwich technique is imbalanced because it's two lots of good to one bad. Mm. And as, as Jane said, it is actually a crap technique because... As human beings, there is a risk that you experience what what we call the primacy effect or the recency effect. And the primacy effect is where you remember the first thing you heard in a conversation because it hit you. You thought, wow. And if that's the sandwich technique, it's a bit of praise. Like, wow, I'm really glad you valued that. The recency effect is where you take away the most recent thing in the conversation, the end, which is praise in the sandwich technique. So there's a really high risk that in doing the sandwich technique, people remember the good thing and not the thing where you want to drive some change. Yeah. And so it also, needs, it needs yeah, turning around. It needs turning around. And also I think that, um, it, as it was described to me on this particular course, that often in the, in, in the Western world, in, in workplaces here, 
when someone says something, oh my God, you did really amazingly, but people are actually waiting for the but. Mm. They're waiting for the bad. Whereas if you give feedback in isolation, you did absolutely amazing today. Thank you so much. That was absolutely fantastic for our company. Yep. That's it. It's been given. Yeah. The impact of what you did was it did this, it increased this, it did that. Honestly, keep doing more of that because we just need that. Done. 100%. And then the next lot of feedback being, you know, can we have a chat, go on a walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, this has happened. The impact of this has been, so should we do this? It's that, it's structuring it correctly. It is. Yeah. It's fascinating I'm stuff. Bring that up. <laughs> no, because I, I feel I feel like I kind of do it with my psychology teacher today. Not in a not in a bad way, but I knew I hadn't done some of the work. Right, we, okay. That sounds like I'm a bad student, I'm not. But I went in and I knew she'd been ill, so as soon as she was coming over to me, I was always I was already planning what I was gonna say to her, saying, Oh miss, I hope you're feeling better. She's <laughs> all like you know, right. getting a good vibe. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, Miss, I'm so sorry that I didn't do the work. Oh, it's fine. She goes over to the next person and he doesn't do my technique and he gets and he shouted at. <laughs> so it's a good point you raise. And, and people ask me this when they say, okay, so in a conversation, I've got to go straight into the the thing that I want to talk about. And say, well, no, because you're going to, you're going to ease your way into the conversation, which might be, how's everything going? How are you doing today? Because you also, you've got to check that the person's ready to receive the feedback. Because mm. if they're having the worst day, maybe it's not the great day to yeah. tell them that their performance or behaviour isn't brilliant. So what you did was, the, the, the you know, that, that bit you gave to your teacher beforehand wasn't related to the fact that you hadn't done homework. No. Or that, you know, you'd done some of it or whatever. <laughs> you, you and the mum can talk about that later. But, the, but it was just a nice thing to start mm. the conversation. And then really what you did, first of all, was you said, here's the thing. Yeah. Perfect. But maybe that teacher just went with that um, prim what did primacy, you effect. primacy effect. Yeah. Primacy effect. Primacy effect. I love I've that, never that you asked that, that you hope I'm better. I'm in a great frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the homework, there is fine. <laughs> um, so, coach, speaker, trainer. What kind, let's, let's deal with the trainer part okay. first. What sort of companies are you going? I know we're talking middle managers. Are yeah. we talking middle managers in a supermarket store mm. or a tech company or is it completely diverse or have you got a sort of niche so there's there's two areas to it so i've i've got my own clients and then i do a lot of training work through a a hub company for their clients and they run either open courses or in-house courses so my clients my niche is kind of small to medium-sized businesses so you're talking 25 people up to 200 where primarily they don't have a learning and development function they maybe don't even have a HR function. They probably outsource hiring and firing and grievances and that kind of thing. So they're not, they haven't invested in developing people within their roles for their future aspirations. They maybe don't look at how they manage performance properly in terms of appraising people and giving feedback, managing talent, all of those kind of things. So I help them, I help implement that from a consultancy perspective and, and then train it out and then train around soft skills, management skills, leadership skills. So my clients are, I've got a managed services company in Warrington that are a national company. I've got a telecoms company in Wigan. I've uh, got an a, a audio-visual company in Southampton. Um, a health company, quite a big health company that I'm just onboarding in London. So a real mix. Real mix. And it can go from a 12-month retaining contract to a programme of work 
to interventions. Um, so just to put that into context for you, Liv, like if you were working for NatWest or a big, huge mm. organisation, mm. they would have a full learning and development and HR yeah. team. Human like resources. With human resources. Mm. That we spoke to Susie, didn't we? That's um, why I know what that yeah, means. Yeah. yeah, she worked for DFS at okay. top of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. human resources. Yeah. And actually, these are the titles that people, young people, don't know anything mm. about. You stumble yeah. across yeah. them after university, HR? don't you? Yeah. What What is it? So they literally do all that in-house. But what, what James is saying from a um, for small to medium-sized businesses, anything up to about 200 employees, you need to outsource for that skill set to come in to help you look at your team, look at where the training gaps is, uh, is where the skill gaps are, and yeah. then upskill. Yeah, and because generally they don't need someone full-time. So they might take on an employee or two part-time, but there's just not going to be a constant need because there's just not enough people, not enough employees... Yeah. Whereas if they can outsource it for someone that can come in and out a couple of times a week, then it's better for them. What's your favourite training course that you've run or ever run? That's a tough question. My, I think the one I could, there's two I can do with my eyes shut. One is communication skills, where we talk about how we communicate through words, through sound, through body language, where we communicate, email, phone text and, and how all that comes together to work or not work uh, we look at um cognitive diversity so whether it's your your psychometric tools like insights or disc or myers-briggs those kind of things that help us understand how we're 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 motivated in different ways we're we're drawn towards tasks more than people we're more extroverted or introverted so you're terms... expressive you drivers oh, you exactly yeah. you're exactly yep Using like those... people who are motivated by like money and then people who are mo- is that what well no you think about you you being an expressive driver like you mm-hmm. yeah so you're a people person I am but you can, I love people you can get a task done and drive for yes. it forward yeah. maybe sometimes missing all the elements of the detail yeah unlike aunt who's very detailed yeah, my husband exactly. and you, you know and that's where the, often opposites attract and you and mm. those kind of things help you see that my wife is very she's very uh, outward focused in terms of she'll make decisions that have a positive impact she's not worried about making the decision she's very creative in the moment spontaneous great with ideas new mm. places to go new restaurants um, but she moves on quickly she gets bored quickly whereas I'm more reflective love lists love being organized thinking about um, the thinking before speaking would rather sleep on a decision so we're very different mm. um, so I help people understand that for themselves so they realise actually, yeah, that's my preferred communication style to be in the moment, say it like it is, move on, or to be very expressive or to be quite reflective, quite quiet, quite thought through. And then how helping them recognise and see the signs in other people so they can adapt to build relationships and communicate better. So that's one. The other one is a new manager bootcamp, which I do in different guises um, or different titles. But essentially... So how do you give feedback? Everything we talked about at the beginning. And to give feedback meaningfully, I need to have set some objectives. I need to have told people what I expect of them. So how do I set objectives? How do I motivate people? What are people motivated by? How do I develop people? What if change happens in businesses? We, we change our processes, our systems. Someone leaves. Someone leaves. We, you know, we're, we're regulated by the government and they make changes that we have to adhere to. Uh, we suddenly customers want different stuff so how do I take people through change 
and How Do I Be Resilient, which is where we talk around a lot around the planning and so on. Mm. Those two I absolutely love. Um, I think the, the, a course that stands out most for me was a course that I did with this training hub company. It was, it was a three-day... It was on the back of a three-day management program for their board. And the board asked me to, to do a, a, a day of consolidation, just to say, come here, not as a recap, but help us bring it to life more. Mm-hmm. And, and they wanted to be really experiential rather than, uh, rather than more, you know, slides, flip chart, conversation. So... I kind of I was thinking on my feet on the day. I had a plan, but on in the morning, I just I was reading the room and I thought, we need a bit of a check in. We need a bit of a a human being check in on the morning. So everyone was sitting down. I said, right, we, you know, we all know each other, but let's just. I want to check how we're doing. Get ready for the day. You know, you're reflecting on the three days we had together. So let's just do around the room or, or you know, as you want to. We don't have doesn't have to be the creeping wave of <laughs> introduce yourself. But when you're ready just a bit about how you're feeling today and what's what's something that you want to focus on today in terms of your confidence, your skills, to feel better about it at the end of the day. And so, so with 12 people in the room, 10 answered, a couple of people said, I don't, I don't want to share the thing that I'm thinking about. Um, I've got something in mind, I'm just, I don't feel comfortable sharing it. I said, it's absolutely fine, just, just for you to hold on to and reflect on. So we had the day, end of the day, um, I... I did two things and and these I wasn't even planning to do these but it was just over the day I thought this is going to work and it's it's an exercise that I'm sure you've both done uh, and I did it on the back of some work that I did with charities supporting bereaved families at the end of a, a residential weekend where you I might put Liv's name at the top of a bit of paper and then I would say just a sentence of what I've really appreciated about Liv over this weekend together and then fold it over and then give it to Jane Jane knows it's Liv, so she writes something about Liv, and you pass it around the room so that ultimately the last person is next to Liv yeah. with this folded up piece of paper yeah. with all these amazing things. So I just did. I just said, right, we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay. So we did this about the board. Just what do you value in them? What have you seen today? Whenever. And they did all this stuff, and I said, right, don't hand it to the person yet. What I want to do is just close off. We we'll go around the room like we did before, and I just want you to reflect on how you're feeling. And if you want to touch back on the thing you said at the beginning that's cool if, if you don't you don't that's fine and everyone did there was more tears than I could have imagined of people reflecting being in the moment saying this has moved me forward I feel really humbled yeah. and it was it caught me off guard I remember thinking that couldn't have gone any better than I thought because I could see the shift and the yeah. release yeah and everyone handed their paper to each other and I said right the day is over it's up to you when you read your paper mm-hmm. you don't have to read it now you might want to read it when you get home mm. I know I wouldn't be able to read it now, so yeah. so do it when you're ready. And they all looked at each other and went. But I walked, I left, and was on my way home, thinking that's probably one of the most impactful training courses I feel I've run. Yeah, because you saw the people move where they had been to where they wanted to get to, but also they weren't expecting that big shift either. No, no. But you facilitated that growth, didn't you? Yeah, and that's the thing. You live saying about being a people pleaser. I know that's what I am. That's why I like coaching. And training because I like seeing people have their light bulb moment. We are just going to interrupt this episode for a few minutes just because we have a life changing offer for you. 
If you managed to listen to episode 19, Your Style Matters, you will know that we interviewed the managing director of global company, Colour Me Beautiful, Cliff Bashforth. And we are delighted, both Liv and I, to have Colour Me Beautiful as a sponsor of the School Run podcast, helping you to absolutely change your life with colour and look fantastic every time you walk in a room, a party, a business meeting, whatever it is. As we know, every day is a school day and this special offer is for the school run listeners only. You need to ring Colour Me Beautiful and quote the school run to take advantage of it. But Liv, why was it so life-changing for you having this colour analysis done? I mean, it really opened my eyes to how the different colours, depending on how they reflect on your skin, how they can lift your face or not lift your face, and then you get this amazing colour palette with all the different shades of colour um, which you can take into any shop or any time you go shopping and put it up against a piece of clothing so you know that it'll look perfect on you and honestly I've never made a shopping mistake ever again. It actually is cost effective because your whole wardrobe starts to work together. Everything that you pick out goes with each other. There's so many other sort of opportunities you can have with a consultant as well. They can look at your style and your body shape and your makeup and all sorts of things. But the colour analysis is the starting point. And this special offer is for our listeners only. So what you need to do is ring the head office number and you need to quote the school run. So that number is 01772-750-052. Or you can email Cliff himself, Cliff, C-L-I-F-F, at cmbdirect.co.uk. That's cliff at cmbdirect.co.uk. Obviously, you can follow um, them on social media. You can see our social media pages to find out more about them or visit their website, colourmebeautiful.co.uk. It is a life-changing experience to have your own personalised colour palette to help you in all areas of your life, business, pleasure, leisure, holidays, um, relaxed sportswear. It's just loungewear. It's just honestly life-changing. So if you want that life-changing experience, go to the show notes. All the details are on there of our sponsor. And as I say, ring Colour Me Beautiful directly, get in touch with Cliff and quote the school run. Back to the episode. And has the coaching, so did training come first or coaching come out of training? Were they both at the same time? I was, as it stands now, in terms of the coaching side of my business, coaching has come more recently. And certainly in terms of my confidence as a coach. I, I had massive imposter syndrome around coaching, where I couldn't even say, I'm a coach and I'm good and I have success with clients. I'm in a mastermind group with a few of the people that, you know, that you know, Jane, and, mm. and we would talk about it and I would pause. I'd say, I'm a coach and... And they say, why, why, why the pause? And I say, I've got massive imposter syndrome around it. I feel like a fraud. So and... let's talk about what a coach is, because do you know what a coach is? Who would have they a coach? coach people. How do you view a coach yeah. in your mind at 16? My netball coach. That's what I see a coach. Yeah. That's the only coach I've ever had. And does that coach pull out of you your necessary talent to play netball? 
or do does that coach imprint on you and have you had different styles i've had different styles i think what helped me was i did I did PE at GCSE. Everyone on this podcast must know that by now. <laughs> um, and we did sports psychology. And we actually did a section in sports psychology on feedback and all the different types of feedback and when you should like say good things. But basically what we've just been talking about then. So I feel like now I'm, I'm good at noticing the... Do you like... I'm good at reading my, the room... And when someone is giving feedback, like, knowing, I'm not making any sense. Like, do you get what I mean? I know. No, you don't, do you? No, you're going to have to explain an actual example. Right. Right, just keep talking, I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I I don't know whether sometimes people don't understand the difference between a mentor and a coach. And Quite they're very different. They are. And, and when I talk about coaching... Well, when I'm more in training courses to, to help people understand the difference and to see that they can be a coach. You don't have to have a qualification, a coaching qualification to be a coach. I say you've got to be great at listening, great at being present in the conversation, be empathetic so you can put yourself in the other person's shoes and be great at asking questions, which includes open questions to, to help explore. And I say, so if an example could be someone wants to increase their confidence. So as a mentor... I could say, I can absolutely help you increase your confidence. You need to go on this course, read this book, take 10 deep breaths before every time you've got to do something scary and et cetera, et cetera. And I I impart the knowledge to you and say, good luck. And I'm here if you need any more. That's as a mentor. As a coach, I might say, okay, I can help you be more confident. Why do you want to be more confident? What would it, what would it mean for you? What would it bring you? Um, why do you think you're not very confident in the moment? What does confidence look like? Who do you know who is confident and what is it about them you like? I have not given you any answers. All I've done is ask questions. Mm. But it means I've got to listen to your answers and, and, and respond to them with the right questions and not be prescriptive. So I've got to be very present because you might say something and I think, oh, that's interesting. And I've got to ask the right next question. And I was doing this literally yesterday with a group in, in London and... And I was, I was, I'd set them up to do a little coaching exercise in a group of three. And so I just sat in and listened, not part of the conversation. And they were doing a good job. This person was practicing coaching for the first time, asking some great questions. And they, I could sense they started to get a bit stuck. And I thought the question you, I feel I would ask now is, so what's holding you back? Because they're asking great questions about why do you want to do this, et cetera, et cetera. The question I want to ask is what's holding you back? Why haven't you started this? What are you afraid of? Maybe. And, and I thought, please ask. Please ask this question. And she did with wor- her own words, but she asked it and it unlocked the conversation. It was like a light bulb moment. The person moved forward and they said, I don't know. I think I'm scared. I think I'm scared that it, I, no one will like what I'm doing. No one will like the thing I produce. Well, what makes you think that? And it just unlocked a whole 10, 20 questions. That and I is thought, so me, that. <laughs> but it's I great. As in, like, I feel like before I did my speech... Well, even still now, right, I always, I'm always watching these videos about people who are saying, you know, I guess a fixed-minded view on it saying, you know, I'm just a confident person or I'm not a confident person. Mm. And actually, confidence is just, just like a state of mind. Like, you can build, com- it's not something that's like intrinsically in you. Mm. you. You can build it. I guess some people are naturally just more, can talk to people. and But I think you can build it. And I think before I did my speech, I was like, 
I was so, I was so nervous. I was like, people are gonna think I'm weird. What people are gonna, I feel like most of it's about what do I think people are gonna say about me? Because I think, I don't know as humans, I feel like we're, we, we need, not like we need it, but like people's approval or- the Validation. Yeah, validation absolutely. to know that like we are good enough because we just don't believe it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when you'd have someone saying, no, I didn't think that was good or why are you doing what you're doing that for? It kind of like knocks you down as well. But I think my speech went very well. So <laughs> I've heard very good things about that. <laughs> <laughs> it did go well. Yeah. And I think that, so I think with, with with coaching, it's it's a way of building that that confidence skill, isn't it? Because you, you're opening them up, drawing it out of them and helping them to come to their own conclusion to find the way rather yeah. than telling them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. So you must get lots of coaching clients out of the people that you train because they build a I relationship do. with you because that's it's a trust. You've got to trust it that is. person. It is. And, and, and that's why I've become more confident myself because the training lends itself to say, here's who I am. You've seen me on on the stage, effectively, in front of a training room, wherever it is. So we've almost, we've done the chemistry bit. You either like me or don't like me. And if you like me and you like my style, you and you know that I coach people, you're probably more likely to say, could we have a conversation about how you could help me? So coaching has come more from doing the training. I think I, I started the two of them together as I came out of my corporate life and into running my own business. I was I was trying to work out how to do both how to run training courses, do some consultancy advice type stuff to businesses and, and do coaching and it was it was tricky. So let's let's go I have a through question. That. Oh sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm just having some coffee. I just have another question. Right, it's not yeah, it is a question. So right, do you know like nowadays like I guess my generation, a lot of my friends, well not a lot, just a lot of people I know my age, you know, they're like saying there's like an anxiety, what do you call it, like an epidemic or something like that. An anxiety and, epidemic. And how all, ch not all children, but children my age really struggle with not being confident, not being able to talk to people, not good with eye contact. What, why do you think that is? And, like, you do this all the time because you're a coach, obviously. Mm. But, like, what would you say to them to, like, obviously each person's individual, but, mm. like, just, like, general advice? Yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I mean, my... my Two kids are, well, they're in their 20s, like 27, 23, and, but I've seen that where, but they're very different. So my oldest is my stepson and 23-year-old is my son, and and I've seen that difference in confidence where one, the younger one, will want to make eye contact, get involved, and the other one didn't to start with, but he's changed. He's through, I think through working and through his career, he's, he's they're, they're almost alike in terms of their confidence. I think, certainly if you think back to from the year 2000, and 20 through to 22, everyone was thrust into an environment where it was really difficult to make eye contact or it was through a screen mm. and the awkwardness of a screen and technology disrupting it. So I think that hasn't helped people, as you say, of your age where they've had to, and that's been through education. So whether it's GCSEs, A-levels, university degrees, having to do it in this virtual way, it means we've not, you've we've not developed those skills at an age where we're really receptive to them of human interaction and being in a similar space together so therefore when we're suddenly thrust into a similar space it's a bit alien and therefore you know and and with people who were doing all of this stuff beforehand maybe you know, people in their 20s 30s where they were quite comfortable making eye contact and and being in, in someone's appropriate physical space 
So I think we've that's been part of it. Um, I think a big thing for me also, and it's why I'd like to try and do work with schools, is I don't think there is enough, or certainly has been enough, education to people about neuro, neurodiversity, cognitive diversity, communication skills. Educate you about topics, history, geography, languages. Mm. So you've got the knowledge. But when I've gone in to do in, interview practice with companies, um, or with school, sorry, and you've got people who are maybe 13, 14, 15 coming to do a mock interview and they know it's safe. Mm. But it's exactly as you described. They couldn't make eye contact with me as the mock interviewer and they felt it felt very uncomfortable. And it was only the two or three students that somehow had that confidence that, that shone. They stood out because it was so different. It yeah. really was two extremes. And I, I thought back to my schooling and thought, I never had conf- training on how to communicate with people, how to make good body language, how to use eye contact mm. well. So it, it was going to be a risk of whether I was okay at it or not. And actually, you know, it's a fundamental flaw and I'm going to have to mention Little Voices, the company that I run, <coughs> obviously, because on the curriculum, I think there's one sentence about speaking and listening within the literacy, mm. you know. Well, in, in English, you have to perform a presentation. Yeah, but if you haven't had... The practice, the understanding, the, the and children learn through play. Yeah. And they learn through having fun. Yeah, very And they pragmatic. learn and they learn through being happy and feeling safe. And once you've achieved that within a space, they will then flourish. In fact, it's probably like anybody learning something. But we're not doing it. So there's no creative arts in schools. That's only if you've got a great head teacher and a great yep. senior leadership yep. team. So the arts are missing, the performing arts, the creative arts, all the subjects where you learn, you've learned your eye contact and your communication skills and your confidence, really, to speak through your time at Little Voices. That hasn't been taught in school, has it? No, but I also think, which is kind of an old question, you know, Mm. some false questions, but, um, like, do you think that, I don't want to say, like, parents or teachers are protect like protective over the fact that you know if 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 someone if I came to you and said mum I think I have anxiety or or something like that like I know you you would like make me feel all right about it but you'd also look for a way to get through it and I feel like maybe some people just accept the fact that you know now I've got anxiety and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and then that is then what they say. They say, I can't do that speech because I have anxiety. I can't do this. Well, you, you get frustrated by that because you're hearing it all the time. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like people, are people, I think people are misusing the word. Like, I feel like it is genuinely a medical term and some people do actually suffer from it. But I feel like it's being thrown around so much that everyone's now just saying it. And that's that's ultimately just the world that we're living in right now. And I think you're right. And I think it's about helping young people to understand that nerves is not necessarily anxiety. Nerves yeah. is a really good um, chemical in the body mm. that yeah. can take you in a really lovely direction. So our lovely friend Rachel, our mm. mutual friend, who says... If you if you feel fear, like run towards it. If it scares yeah. you, run towards yeah. it because you're probably in the right room and it's a time to push your boundary. But unless you've got someone, a coach, 
a teacher, a mentor, someone helping you to yeah. discover that, how do you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's like a lot of things. I think there is a, a spectrum of, of it. And if we said about anxiety or anxiousness, you're right. It's, if I'm nervous, then I'm feeling anxious about the presentation I've got to do. I'm feeling anxious about proposing. I'm feeling anxious about having to tell my friend they've upset me. <laughs> but, but it doesn't mean I, I have anxiety to use your, yes, exactly what yeah, you said. Yeah. It just means I yeah. have anxiousness. Yeah. However, there will be people where they are they do have anxiety yeah. and it actually can be quite crippling and quite, it oh. can hold them back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, um, I have experienced it to a, to a, we probably all at some point, but when I had my uh, mental and physical breakdown in 2020 and I was in hospital for six weeks and I came out, I couldn't even listen to the sound of the birds. Mm. I, I couldn't see a car going past. Mm. I couldn't walk outside on my own. Honestly, James, I, I totally understand un- individuals with anxiety yeah. and a medical condition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and you overcame it though. Would you say I would? You're a completely different person. I I would say whether you feel that. It or was not. not easy. It was not easy, and it's something that you know you sort of it's a it's a it's a tough road to go down. But it, it I understand that that the level that it can be at. But I think at a low level, I think at you know the ang- feeling anxious or nervous. Mm is something very different, isn't it? It is. And it's interesting. I was just thinking, uh, and something came to mind based on what you were saying, Liv, about the people um, not being able to make eye contact. You're saying children learn through it being safe and being fun. Pre-COVID, whenever I ran training courses within my corporate life as or, or running a business, never did anyone ever come up at the beginning of a lesson, adults, and say... Are we doing any role play? Never. And I think role play in training environments is, is a bit old school. It's probably there with the sandwich technique. But often it's there to say, let, let's act out a customer conversation where a customer's complaining. Let's act out a bad one-to-one. I've seen it. I've been there. And it was kind of okay. There's some people who want to put their hand up and say, I'd like to be part of the role play. <laughs> and people make, not making eye contact, like, please <laughs> don't, don't look at me. There's it, something yeah. on the floor. <laughs> um, but now I can probably count on both hands since we've come out of COVID, so the last year, 18 months, how many people at the beginning of a course have come up to me privately and said, can I just check if there's any role play? Because if there is, please don't ask me to do it. So it's changed. That, and that was kind of backing up my point that I do think... You know, that's a good thing. Those... Do you think it's a good thing that instead of them just not looking, like just mm. trying to look away, do you think that's better than coming up to you and asking you and saying, don't pick me. I do, because then I can tell them straight away, do not worry. Otherwise, yeah. they if I'm on a if we're running a, a training session from half past nine till four, mm. potentially they're holding some anxiousness yeah. till four o'clock of are we going to do some role play. So I now mm. I make I, I make it a nice thing at the beginning of a training session and I will say, right, um, who here is really into role play? Stick your hand up and you see people looking at me wide eyed, shaking their head left <laughs> and right. <laughs> Saying no, no. It, then you'll be yeah, okay yeah. because there is no role play. They can see the physical relief. Yeah, people yeah. sit back, they relax, they unfold their arms, they become more open, mm. knowing it's going to be safe and fun and enjoyable, rather than because then they'll learn and not. they'll they'll flourish. Yep. Yeah, children or not. So we've touched on corporate career. Mm. You went to obviously you were at school, like all of us. Yeah. I assume you weren't homeschooled. You were at school. I went yeah. to school. Yeah. Um, and what happened post school? What was GCSEs, A levels, into university like for you? What's that backstory? So it was so GCSEs. I think I had a little bit of choice. So I think I chose French 
partly because my stepmom was good at French, so I thought that might help me get yeah. a good grade. <laughs> Uh, and and sciences I was good at very because I'm a very logical organised person. Math sciences were good for me. English not. No. You know wasn't good with words. I agree. Um, so I got my GCSEs. I thought well A levels. Then I actually started doing three and a half A levels. So maths, further maths, physics, and French AS. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. I look oh back now gosh. and think what was in Reflex. my head. <laughs> Anyone that does physics. Oh, um... I thought you were going to say the math and double math. <laughs> oh no, I <laughs> Let, let's look at where, you know, some of mm. our young people, you know, they might have took, like you, maths, physics, very mm. logical, but now working with people. Yeah. I mean, it's so far, it's so different. Yeah, and I think at the time, I I didn't know who I was. I, all, all I could do with, was go with my 16-year-old brain, my 18-year-old brain, or, or, or I guess 14, 16, as I was going into those, making those decisions of the things I like, maybe the teacher I like, maybe what my friends were doing. And certainly, you know, my, my degree was in electronic and communications engineering because as we got towards the end of A-levels, I filled out a big assessment form and it said, do you like working with numbers, people, inside, outside, tools, computers? I just filled this thing in and it came out saying, basically, you, you, you're going to be an engineer. Every sort of engineer, electronic, <laughs> mechanical, chemical, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be an engineer then. <laughs> so therefore I the should do an engineering said. degree. The system said I used to be an engineer, so I just followed it. And I realised through university that it was wrong. I, I, I flunked my first year massively. I had to resit pretty much all my exams in the summer before the second year. Passed enough of them through luck to some extent <laughs> and, you know, pure hard revision. But university was a... I don't know whether you agree with me, but it was just a fun time to just... Oh, did was. you have a whale oh, at a time in year one? Totally. <laughs> but I realised it also... This is where I started think, learning about learning styles. That sitting in a classroom, writing down notes, rereading those notes, is not how I learn. But I didn't know, I didn't know there yeah. were other ways of learning, which I now know, which is why and I incorporate in my job. So I just went with it and managed to scrape a degree... And that got Which me, university were you at? Uh, Bath University. Bath? Bath or Bath. Oh. Bath, Bath. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I, I then just went into a technical job, just found a job as a software designer with Ericsson, as they were before Sony Ericsson. So um, mobile phones? Mobile phones. Well, yeah. it was, yeah, so phones and the technology that, that supports them. And so I, I enjoyed that. I was good at it because it played to my skill set of being very structured and so on. But everything I did was wrapped around projects. So with timescales, you know, we're going we're gonna to write some software for a thing that will help customers and we've got to deliver it by this point in time, end of the year or whatever. And so that meant someone had to be a project manager, had to organise... Oh my gosh, it's like the apprentice. Plan for you. Yeah, 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 project like manager, exactly like 100%. that. 100%. And I quite liked what they did. I thought, that's nice because they, they have to influence people. They've got to run meetings, so they've got to facilitate. And being on the receiving end of it, I thought, I quite like that. And I wouldn't mind to go at it. So I spoke with my manager to say, look, at some point, if there's an opportunity, I'd love to do that. And lo and behold, the opportunity came up sooner than I thought, uh, with someone moving on to, to do a, a secondment elsewhere. And, and there was a gap as a project manager. And I said, well, we're happy for you to give it a go. And I did it and loved it. And I realised it was this whole people thing, not as a manager, but as mm. a, as a, almost as a matrix manager where I'm just organising people and trying to motivate them and, and follow well, the plan. Well, let's face it, the task won't get done unless the people are happy yep. doing it. And if you look yep. after the people, the task will take care of itself. Yeah, is absolutely. it hard? Is it hard to like manage so many people with different personalities, different learning styles, different everything? It does because it takes energy. 
but it, it takes it takes a willingness to want to do it right and an open mind if if you're very close-minded or fixed-minded as you mm. said and you just think why can't people be like me why don't yeah. they get it yeah. it will take you forever whereas if you're open-minded mm. and and just think actually what is it that other people bring you aren't like me what could they bring that i don't know how can i embrace their their creativity and spontaneity how can i how can i embrace their organization how can i embrace their ability to be very humble and manage conflict well and harmonious how do i embrace that driven direct dominant behavior when i when i realize actually what they bring i can have a wonderful team do you think i have another question (laughs) (laughs) strange this do you ever uh, when you was doing that was there ever like someone or people that weren't like we're close-minded and we're fixed and just didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. Was that hard? Mm-hmm. Did and you there, make... are, there are still people in business today who are like that. They just don't want to change. I don't, I can't they don't... get my head well, around it. So there's a, there are, if we, if we think about that whole um, cognitive diversity and, mm. and where people are naturally quite different, people who really value being part of a team and they, they've, they've built really strong relationships, they know people... They build trust. Um, they like the steadiness, the consistency, minimal conflict, which means they are more fearful of change. Now they can, they, they will embrace change and go through change if it's done well. Mm. But so, so a lot of people have a fear of change. Yeah. But I think what you do experience and what we find in businesses, biz, certainly businesses that have been around a long time, so your big businesses like British Telecom, the rail industry, you know, those that have just you know, we, we've, we've known for, for so long, you'll have people who have stayed there forever. They joined as an apprentice, maybe out yeah. of, after doing O-levels, and they've stayed because for them, a job was for life. And, and this what, is the way we do this it. This is the way we do it, and I know how to do it. I know how to run this process, this factory, this system, what people need to do, and I'm comfortable with it. But because we're in a world where so much changes, mm. for all the reasons we said... If they're not, if they don't have a great experience of going through change, it really it closes their mind, and actually, it just change feels horrible, because because they weren't listened to, they weren't communicated with, they didn't have a chance to get engaged, and so they're very closed mind with it, and mm. actually will be resistive, and that might be quite passive passive resistance, which is quiet, sometimes sabotage, yeah, and that doesn't help anyone, doesn't help them, and it doesn't help the people trying to do it. Whereas actually, if they're if they're taken through change in a really good way and they're listened to mm. and their experience is asked for and they say, you've been here for so long, you must have so much knowledge. Yeah. We'd love to you to help us get through this change brilliantly. It can be a whole different thing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, okay, one, one mm. last question. Okay, okay, because we were, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is, I saw this on, not that I don't watch the news, I actually saw it on TikTok, which maybe isn't the best, but how the Prime Minister said that now children have to take English and maths all the way till they're 18 and they have to stay in school for longer. Or so He said something like that. Mm. Do you think that's a good idea? Because I just think in my head, some people, school's like not for them. And like s- sitting them in front of a desk for an extra however many years to do a subject that they don't like, I feel like you'd get more people that would rebel it than actually you know a benefit from it benefit from it i would just like everyone's opinion on that i think it's a very controversial subject for me i I think some children are just not made we're still putting Mm. children behind desks yep which happened in the 
dark ages yep. and there needs to be a better way of learning and developing and we live in a different world now and actually education hasn't caught up with that but I don't think I've, I'm, I'm not fooling myself it's not going to change overnight and I'm mm. not sure that that policy is necessarily going to be the right one certainly mm. not for everyone yeah and I think it's it's, e- it's certainly easy when you're at the having had a career in a career perspective and gone through all that you can look back and say I didn't do English after GCSEs and I don't think that's impacted me. I think I can mm. communicate. Well, in fact, yeah. I help people communicate. I'm careful with my words. Mm. You know, being part of the Professional Speaking Association means words matter. And, and I, I get feedback from people that say, we love listening to you and what you, what you say helps. So clearly, I did enough English to help. Mm. Maths, I love maths. And of course, there's times where you think, why does knowing the isosceles angle of a triangle, <laughs> how is that going to help me in my adult life? And sure, I don't do anything that means I need isosceles triangles, but actually, mm. if I'm at home and I'm building something in the garden, I need to think about it being, you know, to be able to stand up properly and not fall over and think mm. about how I build it. Having a math-based education helps me do that maybe better than other people. But what would naturally. be better is that they stretch out what this current curriculum looks like mm up to 18 to give more space within the curriculum for communication skills, drama, music, woodwork, building stuff, experiential, outside. Because at the moment, it's 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 pressure yep. and, and the system's struggling under, and very under that pressure. And very classroom-based. Yeah. And it doesn't allow for people... I mean, it does allow for people who are more reflective as a learner because they can write notes, take them away, read them. But yeah. those who are more pragmatists and they need to think of different ways to learn they need to experience different ways to learn mm. they're not going to get that no, but of course they don't know that at the time they don't know their learning style it's only as adults we we get to go through these things and think i that i learned that really quickly and really well because mm. i was given some space to just get it wrong and but i didn't learn that very well because i was given a book and told you we're going to test you in a day's time that's why i think everyone just needs to know the learning styles like when mm. i figured mine out I realised that I have a photographic memory. So literally, you put a speech in front of me, I'll learn it in five minutes because I see it in my head and I know how many words are on which line and I can She's read incredibly it completely. Speedy. Mm, and that's great. It's incredible. And that's how you need to and learn. And that's how I then, I learned that from Little Voices. I was able to learn the script, the, my lines, then the people's lines before me because I could just see yeah. the piece of paper. So every time I learn something now, I don't do it the way the teachers mm. tell me. I do it the way that I would learn it the fastest. But people just don't know that. So they just write notes on a big piece of paper, line by line by line, and try and learn it. And they say, oh, I didn't learn it. I couldn't be bothered because it's not like yeah. exciting for you to learn. That's why you didn't learn it. You've got to do it in your, your way of learning. Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah. On the basis that this podcast isn't going live in the next week from today. Um, I'm doing something at our PSA conference next weekend with with the other people that run the other regions of our meetings. And we've got to learn slightly different lyrics to three songs, which we're also going to dance in front of however many people are there. Nobody knows this apart from us. And now you, and of course everyone, but you're you're, you're looking back going, that must have been brilliant. Um, But so so there's new lyrics that we've written to three songs that are Mm. classic songs that people will know, but there'll be different lyrics. And we've got to learn them. And I'm I'm worried about it because Mm. I think I've got to remember these words and and it's not how I'm going to learn them. The dance moves will lock in because I will watch the video because what we're going to do is reenact the dance moves. Mm -hmm. 
that are known, I can watch it, I can play it in my head, like you've got the yeah, photographic yeah. memory, I've got that showreel memory, uh-huh. it will play as a video, and my brain will be connected to my arms and legs moving mm. in the way I'm watching, and then I'll just play that video back physically mm. and be 60% there, and then I can refine it from there. Yeah. That bit I'm not worried about, remembering the lyrics, I am. Mm. Well, you saw me try to learn my mm. speech, which I did um, yeah. last week, and you couldn't get over that. It took us two hours to learn the first mm. paragraph. Mm. I, I just didn't have the same brain and the same learning style as, as Liv. What would you go back and tell? <laughs> your younger self if you had your time around again or a piece of wisdom to young people Mm. you know because you don't have to have it figured out at school we say that a lot no you don't I think I think one bit of advice um would be to 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 be in the moment I I look at it and think the the GCSEs you get or the, the the qualifications you get coming out of year Whatever 11, it would be before 11, 11, 11, you can tell my age. 11 and 13. To yeah. go into GCSE, get your GCSEs, and then that's kind of done. And then you do your GCSEs to the best of your ability. They help you get the A-levels you want to get, or mm. the BTEC, or whatever you want to do next. So they're the stepping stone. They're done. They're on record. It's good to refer back to for a while, but then you're on the next thing. Yeah. And be very present about what am I doing? What am I enjoying? What, what do I find I'm naturally good at? Because that's the thing that's going to help me rather than the thing that I feel like I'm being forced to do for whatever reasons, which I'm probably going to rebel against, or Mm. it just won't resonate as much. So I think when something feels right, either because of the people you're doing it with or how it's making you feel, take note Mm. and do it. And I think, but I think just also be, um, I think from it, you know, if I think about me as a child, I've gone through so much change as a child through, through losing parents, through moving around lots of places that, Actually, I would say to your younger self, be resilient. But that's hard to say, be resilient because I think, what for? What, am I, yes. what have I got to be resilient yeah, yeah. about? Just trust me, life will move on. It will be good. Yeah, and you'll just got to ride through it. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I'm not gonna lie. I've actually forgotten my GCSE results now. <laughs> apart from the fact that I got a nine in P, but apart from that, if you ask me, I actually couldn't remember. That's a good thing. It's and a good three thing. months ago, if you would have asked me, I was like, "Well, I'd never forget my GCSE yeah. results because it's like the most important day of my life." Exactly. <laughs> but it's done, isn't it? Um, and we can't finish the podcast <coughs> without touching on the PSA, which is how mm, we met and mm. our mutual friends in Heather yeah. in Penny Haslam, yeah. who was on yes, our podcast. Yes. I think Heather's going to come on you've said yes i've got kerry in a few weeks yes. which is very exciting did you yeah. um and you've been massive supporters of mine and lives podcast i can't thank you enough for the commenting the liking the sharing on linkedin and um instagram and buying us virtual coffees mm. it's been really lovely because mm. our relationship only started a few months yeah, ago yeah, yeah. um but the psa what is it what why are you involved how can people get involved yeah PSA, Professional Speaking Association, it is a place where people can go to gain the skills, knowledge and confidence to speak. Now, traditionally, people have thought, oh, you must mean a keynote speaker, where I'm going to be paid lots of money to stand on a big stage in front of thousands of people, or big businesses are going to pay me to come after dinner and give an amazing talk about the things I went through. It might be that, because that might be your thing, but it could be if you're a trainer and you've got to stand in front of a room of 20 people, mm. you're speaking. If you're a coach and you're talking with someone one-to-one or maybe a couple of people, you're speaking. If you're a manager in a business managing a team of people, you're speaking. Mm. If you're a director in a business and you're having to 
give quarterly updates or inspire and motivate people to do something new. You're speaking. And, and I learned that very early on from joining the PSA, which, which helped me feel very comfortable there. And so in, in my journey of becoming more involved, particularly in the Northwest with the group there, helping create a space for people to come in and try stuff for the first time, do a bit of a showcase talk, try some new material, through to then running the Northwest group through this year, through 2023, I've, I've helped people join who say, I'm not, I'm not a keynote speaker, I don't want to be a keynote speaker or an after-dinner speaker. I just want the confidence to run podcasts. I want the confidence mm-hmm. to deliver awesome training. Well, it and, might be even just doing live videos on the oh, Instagram yeah, or LinkedIn. Yeah, for I mean, a one-minute video. Yeah, yeah, it's just the confidence to be able to put yourself out there. It is. I mean, we've done talks with about being on a panel. Mm-hmm. I never even thought of that. Yeah. As being, I mean, it's never phased me, so I've sat on lots of panels, but it, it. But there was a real structure, and there was there's so much knowledge in that room. Yeah. I mean, so much knowledge, and the people are just fantastic. Yeah. I feel privileged to be part of it, actually. I do. I, I feel privileged to be in the role I'm in this year because it's 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 really rewarding and and I love seeing people joining I love seeing people take to the stage to try something for 10 minutes for 40 minutes and um and it is there's so much expertise in the room from people who are very alike that's a nice thing it's there'll be people in there who are exactly like me they do coaching and training to leaders to managers and we're not there locking eyes and locking horns and saying I'm not talking to you because you're my competitor it's like I want to learn from you the little bits that help, will help me be better. Yeah. I've got stuff I'll share with you if it helps you be better. And it's so collaborative and supportive. It's wonderful. No, it Absolutely is. It's wonderful. a really special, special organisation, mm. PSA. Um, I love being part of it. So we always finish our podcast, James, mm. with a school run memory. Yeah. Do you have a school run memory that you'd like to share with us? I think I've probably got two. School runs were, were interesting for me. So I, I, my mum my passed away when I was 10, so I moved to live with my dad. So my school run went from about a 20-second walk to school to a mile walk to the bus stop to get on a bus for five miles to get to school. And on the bus, there were people from my school and from the other school in the town. And you can imagine the other school in the town meant we didn't get on well. <laughs> so bus journeys were a bit horrible. It was, it was just a bit tense. And and when then, then a local minibus uh, got set up and, and took us, because we're in a village, but it was still the same. It was still two different schools, but because we knew each other, it was a bit better. Uh, I think I think one of my favourite school runs was, was in the middle of the winter. And this is where we're still getting the bus. And the buses were still ploughing through. The roads were being cleared or iced. I'd walked a mile in the snow to the bus stop thinking... Why is my school not closed? Why did I not hear it on the radio saying, your school is shut, there's no heating. So we got in, got on the bus, a few of us got on the bus, and we got pretty much to the town where where the school was, and someone was listening to the radio on their Walkman, and they said, oh, no, the school's shut. It's shut. Yeah, we like, isn't that the best feeling? We've told our parents we're going to school. They're not expecting us back till 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was probably one of those things where actually from what f- always felt quite difficult and, and I and a lot of the anxiousness I held of getting on the bus with people that I had only just met or from another school where there was just a potential level of threat to suddenly we were all in the situation where we were free for a day <laughs> in winter in the snow and it just for me it just felt wonderful and I think I think that gave me just some confidence to be a bit more me because I was probably quite guarded yeah. at that point. 
Um, what a yeah. beautiful memory. Thank yeah. you. For sh- thank you for uh, sharing. Thank you. I literally feel we could chat for like mm-hmm. four or five hours, don't 100%. you? There's yep. so many topics we Suddenly could go in. So maybe there'll be an episode two, um, part two with James awesome. Perman and, and us. It was been it's been lovely. I will pop all the links to James's social media, his company. If you want to work with him as a trainer, a coach. Um, or you want a speaker, and I'll put those in the show notes for you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jane and Liv. It's been an experience, and I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run Podcast. We absolutely love doing the podcast. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you'd like to buy us a virtual coffee, we'd be really, really grateful. You just need to go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. You can also follow us on Instagram at the school run underscore official or TikTok with the same name at the school run underscore official. And we always really appreciate your reviews and feedback. On the platform that you're listening to, you can review our podcast and give us a star rating. We'd love to have your comments and receive your feedback. Thank you so much for being a massive support of our journey. Thank you.